Hello, welcome to the next podcast, podcast number 21. This is Reverend Todd Sloggett. I am on the third floor of the HMA building, downtown Sepulpa, Oklahoma, HMA Ministries headquarters. We are sponsored by Rustic Furniture Saving Place. And uh, just uh, jumping on here, trying to keep the material coming your way, getting lots of feedback, and I appreciate it very much. Sitting here at my desk, I got Route 66 just a few feet behind me. The railroad tracks just to the right of me. Um, we got a retail store down below me, so who knows what all sounds we might hear, but we're going to try to make this happen. This subject is why do men support abortion? Why do men support abortion? For the longest time, I struggled with what kind of weird, twisted thinking could possibly go through the minds of people that are not pro-life. I mean, just the fact that they were allowed to be born so that they could think about this concept should challenge their ideas. I don't even understand how it became a woman's right issue or a health care issue. The facts, the statistics, science, and social climate doesn't even support being non-pro-life. And, and then something happened. That was, that was my thought process. And then something happened. Something that only could have clicked if it came at just the right time under just the right set of seemingly unconnected circumstances. I saw a statistic in my daily reading that said 77% of all pro, pro-choice leaders are men. 77% of all pro-choice leaders are men. When I read that, bam, the light came on. Now, to be fair, if I'd read that nine months earlier or three years earlier, I would have most likely just skimmed right over it and moved on. But I will do my very best to not convolute this and and I will keep it as simple and as clear as I can. Most of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you will pretend not to, but it'll be too late. I will have already connected the dots for you and for many, many others. Hopefully they get to listen to this podcast. If you take the facts that A, we probably live in the most selfish society and culture in the history of the world. B, our culture and social influences have brought us to the point where everyone is trying to get out of all possible responsibilities. It is always my parents' fault, the Republicans' fault, the Democrats' fault, big government's fault, big business's fault, Walmart's fault, the oil executive's fault. A, a bad raising, a bad crowd that I got in with the 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 rules are prejudice against me, etc., etc., etc. I'm gonna uh, mute the mic for just a second when I plug in my computer. Hold on. Sorry about that. I hope you stayed with me. I've been producing material all evening and I forgot that my computer was down about 3%. So, uh, again, big businesses fault, big government's fault, Democrats fault, Republicans fault, 
oil executives fault uh, I had a bad raising didn't know my dad uh, I got in with a bad crowd the rules are prejudice against me etc etc so you you've got a we probably live in the most selfish society and culture ever B our culture and our society influences have brought us to the point where everyone's trying to get out of every possible responsibility and then you add C the monopolizing monetizing and sexualizing of women the monopolizing monetizing and sexualizing of women as an adult male with three grown sons a grown daughter two daughter-in-laws a granddaughter and a grandson and a second granddaughter on the way I can hardly go anywhere or do anything in America anymore without considering the sexuality factor first there are inappropriate men and women sexual innuendos and blatant sexuality in literally every aspect of life everymore sex sells so sex rules go to this go to that go to the mall go to a party go to bowling go you have to consider the sexuality factor now take all of that and you add in d a is we probably live in the most selfish society b cultural societal influence brought us to the point everybody's trying to get out of every responsibility C the monopolizing monetizing sexualizing of women and then you throw in D male dominated abuse of power it is everywhere male dominated abuse of power you can just go back to HMA Ministries blog see my latest blog on Harvey Weinstein over the last several months it has been brought to light over and over and over the last couple years over and over and over again how men that have great power whether through money politics fame religion they can abuse and cover up their inappropriate sexual desires their dominance and their abuse of women you you look at every the the guy that was the, I can't think of his name right now the top guy at Fox News uh, again Harvey Weinstein um, all of these coming out against the royal family and uh, bringing up more stuff on Bill Clinton as if he needed more stuff brought up um, on and on and on and on now you take these four factors of a belligerent and backslidden society and you add one more little thing and you touch off a powder keg and that little thing is human guilt it never goes away everybody has it it crossed my mind that if you have a bunch of men that have learned to be selfish taught to take uh, taught to not take responsibility for their actions and they want to have inappropriate sex with women that they have power over of course they would be pro-abortion why in the world would they not be pro-abortion how could they possibly be pro-life a bunch of men that have learned to be selfish taught to not take responsibility for their actions and they have natural desires that they want to have inappropriate sex with women that they have power over bam 
abortions. Number one, it leaves a way to erase the damning lifelong evidence. And number two, it makes them appear compassionate to all of the other women that they haven't abused yet. Consider this, and you may finally realize why there is such a large percentage of men driving the pro-choice movement and how that particular movement is still about men sexualizing and abusing women and having a legal and, quote, compassionate means to make some of their problems, some of their burdens, and a little bit of their guilt go away so they don't have to own their responsibilities and they can continue their selfish, controlling lifestyles. The church has to come together. The Christians have to stop just trying to have popular preachers and just trying to have high services and just trying to make room for uh, uh, a big move with the Spirit or, 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 or a coffee and donut time or whatever it is. Whatever you're pushing for, stop and think. Is the time that the church is working together, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, prayer meeting, youth rally, whatever, the time that the church has together, is it effectively working for those that the kingdom of heaven needs them to work for? The widows, the fatherless, the murdered babies, those that aren't murdered yet that will be if we don't do something. I wonder. It just, it crossed my mind. I wonder. How many Christian men, how many Christian leaders, how many pastors, preachers, missionaries, evangelists, worldwide, all denominations, how many ever paid for an abortion? How many ever funded these things? How many ever secretly wasn't really that against them? The church has got to teach. The church has got to stand. When the, when the church starts standing up for true morality and teaching and leading and discipling like they've always been supposed to since the book of Acts, I think, I still think there's a growth spurt left in the church. We have shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, mostly because we can't hold our own, but also because we can't gain any others. But I think we can turn it around. I think it might be painful. I think it's going to take some serious rethinking. But this is one point right here. When I found out three-fourths of the leaders of the pro-abortion movement are men, what in the world? Mighty God in heaven, Lord, I thank you and I love you and I praise you. God, thank you for opening my eyes to this a little bit more. Thank you for allowing me to produce this material. Prick a man's heart. Prick a woman's heart. Stir a saint of God. Convict a sinner. Do something, God, that will make a difference. That the church could be shown to be alive again. It can have a purpose. It can, it can do something. It could be for life. It could not only bring birth 
through an altar in a sanctuary, but bring birth through a mother and stop another needless death. Let the church rally, let it gather, let it fight for things that really matter, things that really, really matter to you, things besides the color of the carpet, things beside where the next rally is going to be held, things beside if you liked my sermon or not. Oh, God, help the church.